Looking to create wealth and income through high cash flowing real estate? Self-storage is the fastest growing and the newest real estate asset that has outperformed all others. What's its secret? I'm AJ Osborne, and with over a million square feet that we have built, acquired, expanded, and even converted big box stores from small third tier markets to large hundred plus thousand square foot facilities, we have seen it all. This is the podcast that we're going to discuss and bring on the best investors and operators in the nation to show you how to create wealth and income with self-storage. Welcome to Self-Storage Income. Welcome, everybody, to Self-Storage Income, the podcast that me and my co-host, Connor, talk about nothing but self-storage, the beautiful, wonderful self-storage that everybody wants to know more about. We are excited for a good podcast today because I get to talk about something that I like to talk about, and that is empire building. How do you scale? How do you create an empire in self-storage? That's my goal. So I like talking about it. Well, and we're doing it too, dude. We're exactly. not just talking about it. We're not it. just we're talking. We're doing. Executing. Yes. And it has been a busy few weeks as we have launched um, at Cedar Creek Wealth, um, where we're going to do more syndications and we're going to... Uh, do that, which is, uh, that's a big move for us because we've done everything on our own, operate, manage, own. Um, And so, you know, bringing in investors and things, it's, it's, it's an exciting move for us. It's, it's our next step in the uh, evolution of our empire. But before we get into exactly how we've gotten to where we are and how you set up things correctly and how you scale to the moon, We first need to mention our amazing sponsors. The first sponsor is you guys have, if if you haven't seen them, you need to, because it's Janus International, but I'm specifically talking about the Noki. And they're, obviously we're not going to any of the conventions or anything right now because COVID has demolished all of it. But they, they will... Like they have booths set up so you can see their Noki cordless entry product, and you know what? I I, I probably just need to put a video online because it's so cool to see how it works. We have this at our facility, and you can utilize your phone in an app to access gates, doors, everything. And so I could go from being a tenant, I could buy, I could rent my unit online, show up, open the gates, get into the facility, open up my unit, drop my stuff off and leave and never even work with another another person. This is this is big stuff in self-storage and kind of the next evolution. We have three properties with it and we're putting them in more. It gives us a competitive advantage. It's awesome. And when you originally, the, the, the original way you had to build in Noki to your units and how you had to set up this uh, keyless entry system it had to be built in. Had to be wired, all yes. that good jazz. But wired in. I actually, I just pulled up their website just so I could remember what it was called because they they had this this fancy name for it. And they call it R three, which means restore, rebuild, replace. Um, and essentially, just like AJ's talking about here, you don't need to 
build a whole new facility to integrate this technology and to utilize it and to get that spread and charge higher, higher rents and to, you know, provide that additional value. You know, you guys can utilize battery powered door controllers and units um, that will allow you to deploy this technology and, and leverage it, um, which we're, like AJ is talking about, we, we have wired systems um, in conjunction with non-wired systems with these battery powered systems and stuff at our uh, facilities and things. And uh, they work fantastic. It's really, really cool, and it provides unique competitive advantage. But one of the biggest things before we, we, we jump into the rest of the podcast that I do want to talk about, I look at a lot of self-storage operators and things that lost their competitive advantage in the marketplace through when marketing and online came up. It, it was, you know, we were buying facilities in 2000. 14 and 15 that didn't even really have a website. They didn't even market. They did nothing. Well, even nowadays. Even now. Like you, you still, we can still, still buy facilities <laughs> that don't have websites. Unreal. And it's you, your, your lack of ability to compete is so crippling at that point. We view Noki as the next stage. It's my personal belief that in 15, 20 years, if a facility doesn't have a keyless entry system that you're going to have to buy it. And in order to get it up to date, that's something you're going to have to pay for add and, and build into the project cost because it will be a standard thing. Um, and cost in your tenants, like, and you say, Oh, that'll never happen. Cause I don't want it to. Well, this doesn't matter what you want. And that's what I'm talking about. It, it matters what your tenants want and expect. And we have to perform that to them. So, who knows? We'll see. I could be wrong, but I don't think I am. With that, let's get in to the podcast. All right. So now we get to talk about the fun, fun stuff. We can think of this as the dreaming podcast. It's, it's you know, scaling. When you look at people like, you know, Schwartzman and all these guys that have these private equity and large real estate holdings and the tunes of, you know, billions and hundreds of millions of stuff, it, it, that stuff's cool. And it's almost for a lot, not for not a lot, for virtually everyone, there's a disconnect on how you would even get there. Like how, how do you even create that? Because it's so big in comparison to the context of how we live our lives, particularly when you're an employee and you're not in the realm of business ownership, allocation of capital, things like that. It's just not something you're privileged to, to see how the mechanics of these things work and how companies get that big. Right. Well, it's so multifaceted even, I mean, like uh, we've kind of talked about this before where there's no one size fits all deal or, you know, contract or this or that. Everything is so dynamic from, from deal to deal, from industry to industry. Um, there are a ton of variables um, that make up a lot of this stuff. And, and to, just as we were kind of talking about this, um, it just kind of makes me realize too, you're talking about, you know, like, how do you get there? And it made me think about like, we had, we really just, you know, several weeks ago, we're wanting to get this stuff off the ground, get this stuff going. So we start building the stuff and we're like, okay, well, how do we do this? Like, okay, well, we got to talk to this person. We got to talk to that person. It's not like you just knew or I knew or anybody else just no. knew how to structure all this and bring all these resources together. And we're still coming up with ideas and concepts and different avenues to, you know, create deal flow and these other things that we need to scale, which is, is a huge topic, I think, that people, especially just starting out, need to know 
because so many of us feel like we just have to know everything before we can start anything, and that is 100% not the case. No, it, it, that is another funny thing because they look you, – you, when you look at those people – standing on these ginormous companies and all these assets and they built these billion dollar companies you look at them and say i'm not them which is a hundred percent true you're like i can't do what they did because i'm not them well first of all you're a hundred percent true you're not like them because you're looking at them after they've been working and doing all this stuff for years so of course you can't be because you haven't had the experience or they're of course that doesn't have anything to – there's no correlation with where they're at and where you're going, though. So the correlation of how they got there has nothing to do with your ability to get there. Um, and that's the thing that I think is important to realize, that those people didn't end up in those positions of all-knowing because they just you know came out of the womb ready to frickin', you know take down big contracts and money. Yeah. Like, that never happened. Right. That's not how it works. They all followed a path. They figured it out. They worked hard. Um, one of the things, though, that I think is different, usually about those people, which is, once again, it's not special to them or anything else, but they usually think very, very big. Um, and the reason why this is important and the reason why I think people need to think big is because, first of all, we vastly underestimate the time, energy that it takes to do those huge things. It's almost hard to realize for people that don't spend their lives working 120, 30-hour work weeks for a decade what that's like. It's, they just can't even hardly understand it. And when I look at that, the reason, though, those people do and the reason how they got there and what they did and how they figured it out was they went really, really big. And uh, it doesn't mean that they made huge, dangerous bets. No, not that's not what that means at all. But it means that every step forward was in a direction towards something big. This is why I think that's important. This is important and something that I learned a long time ago. Everything takes more time, more energy, more capital than you could ever imagine. So if you're going to do it, you might as well do it big. Right. Or in like, especially talking self-storage, I mean, again, the operation standpoint from, you know, a 40,000 square foot facility versus a hundred thousand square foot facility, hardly yeah. any difference. Dude. Hardly any difference. It's the same thing. So you might as well build, yeah, go, go bigger. And that is true to life. The amount of energy that you spend to live and do everything that you do, everything like that, it's, it's, it's just placement and it's direction. And you're trying to gain some speed, right, and some momentum in life. So when you look at when you're starting and anyone starting, you should think much bigger. If you want to replace your income, people are usually staggered of the amount of money, time, effort it takes to simply replace your income. So right there... Most people fail because they already weren't thinking big enough and they can't achieve that. It just takes a lot. And so thinking big has an opposite effect of thinking small where the base seems bigger, but it's an upside down funnel. Because as you scale, things get easier. As you scale, the bigger you are, the more you can do with the le least amount of effort the more your effort returns in rewards 
and um, obviously the more the, the it's self compounding. Whereas if you stay small, you always stay in that big base where it's tons of work, and then you're always burnt out, feeling like I'm running in place. Well, you keep need to moving up because as you move up, you gain more revenue, you can build out more systems, you can hire more people, and you can keep going. And then all of a sudden, you've now taken yourself out of what you built before a job and put yourself working on the business. And you can leverage people, resources, money, and time to do things that you could never do at the beginning. That's why the beginning's always so hard. And it always is. And, it, and, it's, and it's meant to be. In fact, too, you know, I view it as a vetting process. Um, it's the way the economy vets us, right? The economy says, this is going to suck. So put your nose down. Let's see what you're made of. And if you get through it, the economy rewards you, Right? And so the first thing I think about when looking at this is think big because you've got to do it anyways. You might as well do it big. You won't be disappointed. And even if you fail, at least you're going to be way ahead of where you're at today. And scale involves building to the end. Okay. So when a lot of people start out, they, in, in order to get in the path to the goal, the destination that you want, a lot of people will patchwork things. They won't, they'll take corners. They will be lazy on some ends. Do you think that is just catastrophic for scaling because you're building a fractured foundation that can't hold the weight of everything you need it to. So when starting out the end destination in mind and then plan for the end des- destination as you're moving forward. So maybe if you want to earn, you know, $300,000 a year passively, well, then you better be ready to buy a lot of assets and you better be ready to manage them profitably and take care of that income, allocate it, and probably get investors. I mean, you need to make sure that you do the things right from the get-go. And so building it, we come into a, a base, a foundation, and that's what we want to kind of talk about here over the next little bit. Now, this foundation to scale, to grow, involves a few things. So the I, I view it as like, you know, Foursquare, when we all played Foursquare as kids. Yeah, dude, Foursquare. <laughs> With those the, the nice rubber, rubber ball, red yes. balls that they, they don't have in schools anymore because they're too dangerous. Are you kidding me? Well, I'm, I'm talking about the, uh, the dodgeball the dodgeball kind of stuff. A lot of schools got rid of the red rubber dude, ones man, because they were just. No. Those could, are awesome. You could put too much heat on them, dude. The uh, kids were just. That's what it's all struggling. about. You get that red mark, right? That red mark <laughs> yeah, on exactly. your cheek where it just, you just smashed uh, your face. Yeah, exactly. Little waffle prints. Or yes, they are. exactly. Yeah, yeah you, you haven't lived until you had that. No, idea. no, you haven't. Yeah. Kids these days. <laughs> um, so the uh, divided up into like four squares, and these are my four pieces of foundation that I always that knew that I needed in order to get where we want. The first and foremost thing that you need is a platform to build off of. Um, and a platform to build off of was a way to execute. And that's a combination of people, knowledge, systems, and processes. So for me, this was our management company as well. Because, uh, well, the management company housed that knowledge. And as we grew in knowledge, we grew in opportunity, and I could add to it to go upwards. If I had one facility and nobody to help me, 
my scale would be limited. So you have to grow and you have to build that platform as you grow. And the platform needs to be able to sustain growth. It can't be just you. And so you need to build out a way to onboard, manage, and execute and redeploy that capital. That platform that you use, it could be partly yours and partly someone else's, right? You could hire a third-party management company, but you're going to do the asset management. You're going to be, you know, doing all those things. So that's that's the first one. How do you know uh, when it's time to do that? Because so many people, you know, they start out on their own. They build something on their own. It's just them and their family. At what point do you say, okay, it makes way more sense to how do you how do you measure that? How do you calculate when is a good time to either hire an employee or build out another system to manage these things? So this is, I think, probably the thing that the mo- people have a really hard time with, and that's because when 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 you start out, you're trading capital for time, right? So if I own a facility, and that facility nets me, you know, sixty five thousand dollars. I need to hire another person because I want to get another facility, right? Well, that means that money needs to go to them, right? And so I'm not going to do that because I don't want to, but then I'm going to be maxed out. So it, 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 there's a big trade-off at the first. This is one of the reasons why I say if you're going to build and build big, you got to start out with as, many, as little liabilities as possible, right? Like you need to be able to live on less than you make because you need to be able to give up what you make. And uh, that's always been true for me, always. It was always, if I hire somebody, that's income I don't get to take. And I learned that maximizing your income and not maximizing your framework or your platform with people that are knowledgeable and that can execute things for you is crippling. You make more money in the short term, but you lose it out. So for us, um, I'm going to say something probably most people are not going to be happy about (laughs) and say, I don't want to do that. But, you know, I had two jobs for years for that reason. And our profit, we dumped back into our platform and everything else. So we sacrificed to make that. When you scale, you sacrifice in the front to gain in the back. And so for me... As we, I knew that one facility wasn't it. I wasn't, you know, I wanted to build more. So we got one. We got another one. We started hiring, right? Then we got two more. We started hiring more. All the profits going to pay for all these people. And then I had a break-even point that I knew we could run and scale after this. Um, so for me, it was immediately out of the gate just because I knew where I was going. You reverse engineered everything. It was yeah, part of was, the whole plan. But I knew I wasn't going to be pulling money out of those first deals. That was never going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I know you and Rock talk a lot about this on Cashflow Freedom, your other podcast. And uh, I definitely wanted people to hear that here where it's, you know, it's not that you're sitting here, you know, cutting a paycheck and doing this and doing that. No. I mean, you're literally reinvesting everything from day one to grow and scale. Exactly. Oh, speak it, of the devil. Speak of the he's, devil. He's, he's calling he's right blowing now. Blowing up my phone. If you're listening <laughs> to this podcast, Rock, stop calling us during the podcast. So that's right. We do talk a lot about that on Cash Flow Freedom. And if you guys, and two, if you're listening to this podcast, you need to go listen to Cash Flow to Freedom. It's the number two, because one of the big things that I'm big on in in self storage is self storage is not real estate. It's a business, and this all, all the things that we're talking about today lend exactly to that. 
You have all the benefits of real estate. It acts as and classified, but it operates like a business. So to scale, you need to do that. Now, the next side, so you have your platform, people, knowledge, systems, processes to execute and get things done. The second, uh, another uh, another square in your fourth square of scale um, it would be capital. So capital can be your own, or it can be invested, or it can be with banks. Now, I love this argument because people say, I don't have enough money to do that. And it's like, well, who said you needed it? Like, those two things aren't correlated in the world, and most people don't understand that. So there is no correlation on you buying assets and building businesses and you having the money to do so. Yet everybody thinks for some reason that they're exactly correlated. And they see a successful person and they said, well, if I would have had millions, I could have done that too. That's not how it works. They're not correlated like that because nobody starts like that. Right? It doesn't matter. You either got to go and you got to take your own income that you earn from your time. You've got to do so. We did both. We used our own income. We started other businesses to fund another business. I mean, looking back at it, that seems very crazy. I was literally making, working a job, which I was paid very well. And then I was starting companies so I could take all of that money and pour it into a company that could be built. And I was working three, like I do now, three jobs, four jobs, 120, 30 hour weeks. And it worked. And I'm not saying that, that everybody needs to do that. I'm not saying they have to work these weeks or whatnot. But you have to figure out a way to get it done. And that way worked for us. The key to capital is that I, and the reason why it worked for us too, is because I didn't understand a lot of the principles of leveraging other people's money at the first. I'm very open about this. That if I would have understand some of those principles at the first, we would be way farther down the line than we were, um, and we would have grown faster and built more. And that's fine. That wasn't my path because that I, I I didn't know about that stuff. Like I didn't I didn't I wasn't ever in real estate, so I didn't understand like syndicating deals. I didn't understand that people can invest alongside you. Uh, I was the guy at first that said I don't have the money, so I can't do it. So instead, once again, I worked three jobs to get money so I could do it. That was the way to do it. So that was my answer. Um, I'm here to tell you those aren't, you don't need to do those things. Use your capital alongside with other people's capital to scale it. Other people's money, OPF. Um, That's one of the secrets to real estate. Uh, So utilizing OPM um, is absolutely 100% necessary to build an empire because of the fact that Real estate is astronomically expensive, and the higher you scale, the more expensive it is. And so unless you are just blessed with hundreds of millions of dollars to go build an empire, congratulations, but I don't know, maybe you're Bill Gates' kids or something. I, you know, But um, that's not how it normally works. So you need to team up with other people. You need to create other lines. You need to syndicate. You need to use equity, deals, plus banks and put the deal together, okay? So how you put the deal together um, depends on how you're going to structure it, things like that, um, to limit risk. If you're going to do partners, GPs, limited partners, partnerships, you know, oh man, I just realized I think I messed up. I actually had a conversation on this podcast 
a week or two ago, we were talking about getting an attorney on to talk about the structure of deals, right? Yeah. Yeah. We yeah. totally mentioned that. Yeah. yeah. I did it. I put it on the wrong podcast. Yeah. So if you go over to Cashflow to Freedom, our last podcast I think we just launched was uh, with a real estate attorney talking about structuring deals and taking capital and syndications. That's hilarious. I apologize. That was the most recent one that was recorded? Um, yes, the most recent one that gotcha. was recorded. So that um, one, if it's not up already, um, and you're listening, today's June 12th, 2020. Um, it should be up in a few days if it's not up already. Perfect. Maybe we'll put we'll put the, the links into this podcast so you can click to the cash flow for figure out. Okay. And at two, honestly, maybe I'll just... We'll, we'll figure it out. We want to get that to everybody because I told everybody that I would. And I did. You just don't know it. <laughs> so um, that's not very helpful. But so we have our platform. We have our capital. Okay. And we have our... Remember, the thing with capital is there's... It's infinite. First of all, don't forget that. A lot of people use the analogy of a pie. That's stupid. It's ignorant. So stop using it, people. Nobody's taking your pie. Nobody's... It's just that that's not how economics and capital work. Money is infinite because it's made up. It's literally invented, leveraged, played. It's just digital things in a computer that's a tracking system. Nothing more. There's no cap to it. So your access to capital is what you need to get. And most of the times we have to start out with friends and family. That's okay. You learn. Um, Moving on to the next thing I want to talk about is deal flow. Um, Deal flow is a big key. This comes back and also ties into the money. Um, I am doing a deal right now where we're converting a failed Super Kmart in Iowa. We're under contract. We close in two months here. We've been working with the city. They're ready to go. Um, The person that uh, brought that deal is working in it, going to manage it, has a W-2. It's a, we'll, we're selling off the land. We'll buy into part of it. We'll be in it somewhere between four to five million on just the building. So we'll come out at seven million on the build out, probably ready to go. Um, He's going to own the deal. He's going to have equity. He's going to have capital in it. He's going to get the benefits of real estate, all that stuff. Yet he doesn't have the money. So once again, money doesn't matter. In fact, what really matters in real estate is the deal. If you have a good deal, people will work with you to figure it out. Um, And so work and access and knowledge are by far more important than capital. And you can leverage those to your ability uh, to, to to benefit you. So deal flow, I look at creating multiple pathways. The first is um, networking, which falls into two. We do traditional lines of brokers. Then we have networking with individuals, getting yourself out there, um, helping people, all that kind of stuff, what we're doing in the podcast, Um, uh, giving out information, and uh, people want to do deals with you. The first one, brokers... um, are we have we have deals with brokers about 50% of our deals have been done with brokers they're off market deals they know we can execute we have a reputation to it they bring it to us 
we buy it, no one ever knows it was for sale. The vast majority of assets in the world sell off market. You never know that they're there. Retail investors buy on market deals. It's not, I'm not saying that I'll never buy an on market deal because I will, I'm sure of it. I haven't yet. But um, on market deals are on the market to maximize price, not value. And not. it's contrary to nature that everyone thinks that you sell an asset to get the top best price. That's not true. Um, sellers have tons of motives, reasons, and needs for selling. And a lot of them don't want to go through a bidding process. It's messy. It's unreliable. They can lose employees over it. They can have people back out. And it's expensive. It costs money to do it that way. So Especially if, I mean, huge. you're coming in on an asset that's not even yours. Like if it's you've had a death in the family or something like that, and yeah. it's been entrusted to you or whatever the case is. You want it gone. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In a lot of gone. cases, for sure. And so they don't want to be dealing with it and putting it on the market for valuations, things like that. It, it, that's exactly opposite of what they want. Those deals are all done off market. Um, so deal flow is more than talking to brokers and getting on Zillow. And... I know so many people that are like, I can't find any deals. And I'm like, where are you looking? On the market. I'm like, okay, well, that's your first problem. Because um, eh, most deals never get there. And so when you're looking for deal flow, just be creative about it. Don't pop onto Zillow in your pajamas and say, well, that's a day. There's no deals. Um, if we did that, no one would ever get deals. So get out there. Network. Meet brokers understand what the heck you your idea of a deal is, right? You may say, listen, I need a 35,000 square foot facility in a third tier market that has upside potential. It's great. You may say, I want nothing under 80,000 square feet in only first tier markets that have very little risk and I'm willing to pay a five or a four cap. That's great. Whatever your motives. But if you don't know what a deal is to you, nobody's going to take you seriously. When you do know what a deal is to, to you, you need to tell everyone. Get that out there so people know I have a deal. Hey, that guy likes this kind of deal. So it is about getting out there to create deal flow. Um, we are doing some innovative things here to create deal flow, um, which we'll talk about more. But when you go to scale at first building the, the thing about deal flow that you need to know at scaling is you need to create consistent, reliable deal flow that you can control. That's huge. Because, again, when we first started building this out, one of the concepts we had um, was relying on a third party um, to bring those deals. And, again, it wasn't the only, you know, source of deal flow. You know, we had these other concepts and so forth. But... We ended up kind of moving away from that for that reason and, and others as well. And so, you know, here we are building out other systems and processes that uh, maybe we can have another podcast on just on that topic alone. Yeah, definitely. So, no, it's, it's super exciting building out these uh, these streams of deal flow. Um, makes me think of the, you know, the bear, you know, standing at the yes. standing at the river, you know, letting the salmon jump in its mouth kind of a thing. You're not out there running after deals. Deals are coming to you. Um, and it's, it's been awesome to build we these things out. We talked about that man. on the last podcast? No, we've, we've talked about it before. Um, but I, th I think on here and on the, I think you've talked about it on the cash flow podcast yeah, as well. But it, And this is an important analogy is, you know, I, being from Idaho and 
being a guy that likes mountains, I like grizzly bears. And, uh, you know, when you're dealing with deal flow, I also happen to like fly fishing. So deal flow is like fishing from the standpoint of if you're on the guy, the guy on the bank of the river and you're throwing out your line, you're hoping that a fish passes and will get it, that it sees it, right? Now, you can only cover this little small area, and most of the area that is around you is land. The grizzly bear doesn't worry about getting fish, doesn't matter about, think about chasing fish. He goes over, sits on top of the waterfall in the middle of the river, plomps down on his hiney, sits there and waits for the fish to jump into his mouth. So when we talk about deal flow, don't be the fisherman. Be that big old grizzly bear sitting on top of a waterfall, letting that salmon just jump up. You catch it, eat it, and wait for another one to jump back in. Put yourself in the lane of deals. Get in there. Talk to people. Let people know so the fish come to you. That's the key to deal flow. The next side is technology. Technology is extremely important in scaling. You need to be able to systematize, repeat, at mass actions. If you have to manage all these assets, if you have other locations across states, you can't travel to them, all of this stuff is really important that you utilize and leverage technology technology and platforms that allow you to communicate with employees all over the place in lots of different states that you utilize online systems for training, um, people moving in, and that all of this stuff is connected and aggregated and then displayed to you in a meaningful way so you can understand what's happening in your biz business. Um, and I mean this more than just property management systems. We are in a world that has obviously dominated it. it. It seems like we shouldn't even need to say it, but we do. And it's really, really important. Um, the better tech you can leverage, the faster, more efficiently you can scale. And I mean this on all aspects of your business, from the top end of the funnel to the bottom, for your tenants, for your deals, for doing your banking relationships, your accounting, your management, on and on and on. And they all need to be cohesive and they need to talk to each other. And uh, if you don't do this, you will fall apart as you start to scale. You will be building on this foundation and that piece will separate all the foundation and it'll fall. It, it's just, it is really, really important. And people justify cheap tech because of cost and they underestimate the value of that and that doesn't work in today's age it just doesn't um so there's a lot of avenues you can go but i would break down business operations and categories and i would understand the technology that you are going to use to operate those buckets of operations and how they will be operated and how those buckets will then talk to each other. And when you add in a product, by product, I mean facility, it needs to be a plug and play. So what happens is now, let's walk through this. We're going to start on our four square. You're starting at the deal flow. You get a deal. You get the deal under contract. You then get the money. The money funds it. You then 
hand it over to your platform. Your platform runs it. And then the technology maximizes it and connects all the deals together. Um, and that's why we deal with four. That's, those are my four, my four squares for a foundation to scale and grow big. Now, I know you're probably all disappointed and you're like, I thought we were going to be talking about doing $100 million deals and how you can be friends. No, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about Foursquare. I'm talking about, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's about building right. And it's about building something that you can grow off of without crushing yourself and without buying yourself a job and uh, without drowning and say, how did I get myself into this? And this isn't what I thought it would be. Um, if you build it right, you can bypass a lot of those issues. So, um, yeah, that's, that's my foundation for scale. I love it, man. No, tons of great advice. And, uh, and that, that applies not only to what you're doing today, but through that reverse engineering process of, of how all of this that you're building now is going to play into the future and how it's going to continue to help you scale and grow. And, uh, again, like I just talked about here, building those empires, that's what uh, ultimately I, I don't think I've ever heard somebody be like, nah, I don't want an empire, no, man. No, I just I don't. <laughs> that would be horrible. Uh, that'd be awful. So awesome. Well, thanks a bunch, AJ, man. That, that was a super awesome episode. Again, everybody listening, we are doing phone calls with tons of people. Uh, we've been lining them up like crazy. All you guys need to do is leave us a review on iTunes or whatever platform you're on, screenshot that review. Email it to us right on uh, the Cashflow to Freedom website, uh, or not Cashflow to Freedom website, <laughs> the uh, self-storage income website. Holy mackerel. Too much uh, Cashflow to Freedom talk today. Um, yeah, email those photos and that review to uh, selfstorageincome.com um, on the website there, and we can get a phone call scheduled with you. And uh, love to talk to you guys. Love connecting. Love building out our networks. Just like, again, we're talking about on this episode here. Uh, connecting with you guys is great. And uh, yeah, shoot us any questions you have. Get at us on social media and uh, keep doing awesome stuff out there, guys. Thanks, everybody. We appreciate it.